the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Welcome to the Michael Savage Podcast. We're talking about a very serious, not entertaining matter, which is World War III and morons, morons in the government who think it's a video game at Harvard when they could just run off to something after the game. Okay, so we're now moving into the area that the people won't follow. They won't follow us. They'll say we're crazy and paranoid, but we see the handwriting on the wall. That's what we've, yep. that's what we've been paid to do our whole lives is to see around the corners and to see the, the, the shadows on the wall. Larry, uh, any closing words for the listeners to the Michael Savage podcast? This has been so interesting for me. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to a lot of people. Well, I'm just uh, honored to have been invited to appear on your show. I've listened to you over the years and always enjoyed it and found it informative. So hopefully I have held up that high, no. high benchmark you've set. You know, when I hear something like this from people like you, it makes my, it makes me feel like my life is worthwhile. That's all I can say. There's so many intelligent people out there who we never hear from, like yourself. We, you know, we don't hear from people like you. And you watch these TV shows. And they have these paid pimps on. And then yeah. you look into these paid pimps and I can name one, one or two on Fox News. And I, I used to love this guy, this general, because he was like from Queens or Brooklyn. He sounded like an old New York Irish detective. It turns out he's a, a contractor, a consultant to one of the biggest defense firms. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989-898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. We're talking about a very serious, not entertaining matter, which is World War Three and morons, right. morons in the government who think it's a video game at Harvard when they could just run off to something after the game. They have any idea what they're doing, Larry? No, absolutely not. Uh, this is, you, you know, you would think that at the outbreak of that special military operation that someone would have sat down with Biden and briefed him and said, 
you know, we, the intelligence community, we have looked at every instance in which the United States has imposed sanctions on another country. And the, the, the sanctions have never worked. They've never worked to force a change in policy. They've never worked to compel a nation to surrender to what the United States wanted to happen. Larry, I remember my little reading of World War II history. I believe it was sanctions on Japan that led to World War II. Yes, yes. Uh, they, I guess they didn't read that at Harvard when they were busy no. studying gen gender identity. <laughs> they didn't. Yes, they clearly didn't have the right pronouns. No, this is serious matter. Now we see an escalation with to me. You know, let me be very clear. I'm a man of peace, as most sane people are, especially warriors right. who've been in battle. They want peace more than those who have never been punched in the nose in a schoolyard. Correct. So we have a situation now where little Zelensky, the man who played a piano with his penis, and is now strutting around like Napoleon, is literally boasting through his mouthpieces about blowing up office towers in Moscow. This is a drone strike in the heart of the Russian capital. But it is the symbolism of this attack that is most significant. And President Zelensky was on hand to underline it. Gradually, the war is returning to the territory of Russia, to its symbolic centers and military bases. And this is an inevitable, natural and absolutely fair process. You saw this the latest. Yeah. What are they doing, Larry? Why do they think provoking Russia by launching drones? And by the way, whose drones are they? Ours or China's? Uh, I, that I don't know. Uh, what's happened is Zelensky and Ukraine are desperate. They they have no options. The, the world is closing in on them because they cannot defeat Russia militarily at all. So their only hope, and this is a this is not a Hail Mary pass. This is beyond that. They, they want to create an incident that will provoke a reaction from Russia that will justify bringing NATO in ah. to fight Russia. So it's the, it's the little guy trying to drag other people into their battle. Correct. Against against somebody 100 times bigger, a thousand times bigger. Correct. Yeah, that, that's exactly what's going on. Well, will and it happen? I mean, the Biden people are liable to go for it. I, well, I, I fear that they're going to actually set up a false flag. Yeah. of blowing up the nuclear plant in Ukraine and say the Russians did it and they have to now act. What do you think? You know, you and I could sit around in our private fantasy life and say, you know, if I got Mike Tyson in the ring, I would beat him. I would <laughs> beat him up. You know, I could I could take him. I could get him. And then when reality intrudes and you have to actually climb into the ring with Mike Tyson, even at his advanced age, he's still younger than you and me. Uh, I, I, I suspect that we would be thrashed within an inch of our lives. Well, the United States talking about what NATO could do to Russia is the same thing. NATO has a hyperinflated view of its competence and its capabilities. Just think of this simple fact. Even though Ukraine is not an official member of NATO, Ukraine's army represented from a de facto standpoint the second largest army in NATO after the United States. Wait, say and that. Who, who has the second largest army? Ukraine. They become that important? They were that important a year ago, a year and a half ago. And what's happened in the intervening period is roughly 50% of that army has been killed or wounded. 
Okay, so I've heard estimates been... from Colonel McGregor. I think you and he are co- cohorts yeah. in, in a certain sense. And you've been roundly criticized from the right and the left, because when you're doing something right, everyone says you're wrong. Yes. Uh, you know, I've read your Wikipedia page, which is the biggest crock of crap. <laughs> They've done it to me for 30 years. They make stuff yeah. up. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're no good because you're telling the truth. You don't like Obama. Therefore, you're the devil, that kind of stuff. Correct. But now this is past politics. We have a, a situation that I think is eerily reminiscent of previous times in history. I, I saw this from the beginning. It was World War One, which to me was an unnecessary war as a, an amateur looking in. Right. One side did this. Then the next side reacted to that. And like a chain reaction. Everyone joined the fray until millions of men were dead for nothing. Could this happen here, Larry? Yeah, yes, potentially. Um, the, the only thing that will prevent it from happening is that the actual capability of the United States to send a large number of forces that would potentially f- compel Russia to have to fall back one or two defensive lines uh, is just not possible. You remember how long it took for the United States when we had the luxury of time in Iraq in the build up to the 2003 invasion, six months, eight months, and we could build up and send the troops to Saudi Arabia. Well, we don't have that luxury now. And any if we started assembling that kind of force structure in Poland or Romania, uh, Russia would hit it and we and, and would destroy us. We we have not faced a peer military threat since the end of the, maybe the Korean War. Uh, so so we the didn't idea, win the Korean War. So we can't really launch a, an expeditionary war. No, no, we have no, we don't have the capability. Again, we we have that rich fantasy life of the, of the guy that's been a couch potato thinking he's going to fight Mike Tyson. But the reality is we, you know, our, the number of ships that we have available to transport troops and equipment, that's down. The number of aircraft that can haul troops and equipment, that's down. So and and the the army and the navy and the Marine Corps and the Air Force aren't meeting their recruiting goals. So the actual number of people well, they in can't the get, force they can't reduced. get the required number of skirts yeah. for the new recruits. Yeah. Well, Larry, the US is now waging a proxy war against Russia because we cannot wage an actual expeditionary war against the peer opponent is what you're saying, correct? Right. Well, and we, we we calculated, this goes back to the, you know, talking about the morons at the outset at State Department and the National Security Council. At the outset, last February, they genuinely believed that the Russian military was so weak that Putin has was barely hanging on to, by his fingertips. To we power. heard that over and over again. He was about over to, and over. He was, first, he was dying of cancer. Remember, he died of cancer yeah. three times last year. Right. That's along and, the lines of when everyone was dying of COVID here in America. I think it was the same public relations agency from uh, from from Boston that put that one out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Larry, then, we, I mean, we have to laugh. All we can do is laugh in the face of stupidity. There's nothing left. Yeah. If uh, look, if the if the uh, slaughter that was is taking place was not taking place, then this would be funny. But this is tragic. Be a, how many, a horrific how many, tragedy. How many Ukrainian men in your estimate? I've heard various real estimates. I heard that the military cemeteries are overflowing in Ukraine. They have to disinter the graves to right. them, stack yeah. them. Is, is that is that verifiable in any way? Yeah, yeah, it's verified. Just look at social media. 
at social media from Ukrainian sources that shows that about 300,000 is my estimation on number dead. Dead and, Ukrainian men, 300,000? Yes. And we lost 50,000 men in Vietnam? Yeah, over a 12-year period. So, it's, I mean, to put it into the scale, they've, the, the, think of this, in World War II, in both the Pacific and European theaters, North Africa as well, the United States, uh, all services combined, lost a total of 472,000. So that is the scale on which the Ukrainians are dying. They, they've, they've matched roughly 70% in 18 months what we lost over a four-year period. It's, tragedy it's is, the tragedy is overwhelming. Therefore, Ukraine will never recover as a nation. There's no, no. manpower. No, and, and the women have all fled to Poland and Lithuania and, and Baltica and England, and they don't want to go back. I don't blame them. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Now I, I'm reading somewhere else, I like your opinion, is that U.S. air power could not be sustained in the context of a non-permissive regional and global battlefield, Correct. whether Correct. it be in Eastern Europe, the China Seas, <clears> or the Persian Gulf, the maintenance requirements for U.S. aircraft alone could not be met. Is that also true? Yes. So I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, Andrei Martyanov. He's a author. He's a was former Russian sailor uh, officer in the Russian Navy, Marines. But beyond that, he he's written four books. He's lived in the United States since 1991. And his book, Losing Military Supremacy, written in 2017, mm. is you got to be sitting down when you read it. Otherwise, you'd pass out from shock because no. he goes through it chapter and verse on how inadequate and behind the times our U.S. military is. We, we're always told we've got the best military in yeah. the world. That's not true. We got the most expensive military uh. in the world. But the reality is, thanks to George W. Bush who abrogated the anti-ballistic missile treaty back in 2001, the Russians proceeded to develop anti-ballistic missile defense systems. And they right now have far and away the best air defense system in the world uh, with what's called the S-400, the S-500. And now they've introduced something called the S-550, which can take out satellites. There is no U.S. aircraft that could penetrate Russian airspace without getting shot down. Oh, my God. And then uh, and then, Larry, you're the expert. We're talking about mission capable rates of our aircraft. Mm -hmm. I read that there's a sub 10 percent mission capable rate for the F-22 and F-35 and a right. sub 25 percent rate for almost every other platform in the inventory. Would you verify that's possible? Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I wrote about this uh, six months ago, seven months ago, where there was a, a GAO report that came out detailing how all of the all of sort of let's say the critical combat aircraft, both for uh, airlift as well as uh, carrying out uh, combat missions, were were operating some somewhere down to as much as fifty percent of capability. We, and we, that's we, that's the other element here. Some of this is so expensive. For every flight hour, you're going to spend you know tens of thousands of dollars just to keep it up in the air. People don't understand how complex um, a military uh, jet or, or ship is, let alone a submarine. Right. The maintenance requirements and the skill that's required of the men who knew how or should know how or hopefully still know how to repair them. I'll give people an example. I have an old 2008 Mercedes S600 
that needs a small part. That's an old V12 with low mm-hmm. miles, 38,000 miles. Great machine, German engineering. They can't find the part. It's just a, a, an ignition bracket that's no longer right. available. So people don't understand how complex a car is today, let alone an airplane, a tank. So we're going to train Ukrainians to fly our F-16s. How long would that take realistically? Uh, realistically, three to four months. Uh, they so, could, you, you, know, you mean if we took their best pilots who could fly the old MiGs, they could learn in three to four months? Right, right. Okay. But that's, that's an extended, you know, that's not overnight by any stretch. And even then, once those planes take off, <laughs> the Russian the Russian counterpart can see the F-16 before the F-16 sees the Russian SU-27. What so is what the Russian that, counterpart? Uh, the SU-27, I believe. Is that a fighter jet or is that a, yes, a f- yes, fighter bomber? Fighter, fighter jet. So that plane well, is superior to our F-16. Yes. Is it superior to our F-35? Um, the, the Russians have another aircraft. I forget the forget the name of it, but it is superior to the F-35. It, it's not it's not so much what these planes can do in the air. The real question is, can is the, does either side have an air defense system that can defeat the other's uh, combat aircraft or Generation Five fighter? And the answer to that is Russia does. The United States does not. The Patriot missile battery is a turkey. You know, it doesn't, it, it, it's ineffective. It couldn't even stop Scud missiles coming out of Yemen when they were stationed in Saudi yeah, but Arabia. But Zelensky wants more of them. Is that because yeah. he can export them before they arrive in the crate? If, let's say we could send a hundred of those planes. They're not, even if they get off the ground, they're going to get shot down. No, and it's I'm not. Sorry. It's I, not going to make a difference. That's a very, very telling statement they just made. But I'm talking about Patriot missile batteries. Zelensky oh. wants more of them. And you're saying yeah. they're they're ineffective against the Russian equipment. So yes. what does he want them for? For export? To- yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's a it's a, uh, a specific gesture, something he can see and touch uh, that can reassure him that the United States is going to support him. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is the Ukrainian air defense system, and this was this was revealed in those leaks by J- Jack Teixeira, the young airman who was. Oh, yeah. What was that documents. about? What was that about? Um, I I believe that what was going on, that he was he was set up, uh, that U.S. intelligence was monitoring what he was posting and that the moment that it was released was it was released for a purpose because there is a split within the intelligence community over those that are strong advocates for the war in Ukraine and those that think that this is a very wrong decision that's going to lead to the destruction of NATO and the weakening of the United States. I assume you're in the latter category. I would be in the latter category, yes. Well, now we get to the submarines, if if we can. And you, you, mm-hmm. have, you have knowledge that I don't have, certainly, and that's why I love interviewing people with knowledge of your level. I'm reading in another blog that Russian and Chinese submarines and long-range anti-ship missile systems would wreak havoc on U.S. seaborne logistics. You concur with that? Okay, let's let's break it out uh, from the standpoint of a surface fleet of the United States, uh, carrier battle groups, uh, Chinese and Russia, Russian hypersonic missiles do represent. Uh, uh, an existential threat to those carrier battle groups. 
Um, it's like having horse cavalry running up against machine guns. Uh, they may look nice. They may be, uh, you know, parade well, but they're not going to uh, pass that test. Um, with respect to submarines, the Chinese submarine fleet is, is subpar uh, compared to that, which is the U.S. and Russia. But U.S. and Russia are both comparable in terms of the competence of, of the relative, the various uh, submarine platforms. The Russians have done something the United States has not done, however. Uh, they've, they've created essentially a, a, a drone submarine, a massive submarine that's not crewed and that travels under the water and can launch uh, nuclear missiles without the United States knowing where they're coming from. So it's that's a sort of whole new level of they threat. have a stealth drone submarine that's capable of launching nukes. Yes. Gee, I thought the Russians they were, just I they just put that they put that to sea last year. Yeah, I thought the Russians were so backwards. I really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael, think think of this. That's been one of the constant themes along with Putin's got Parkinson's or Putin has heartbreak of psoriasis. The other theme has been how backward and inept the Russians are. Really? Then why is it since 2004, NASA relied upon Russia to haul our astronauts to the International Space Station because we could not fire off a rocket capable of delivering our own astronauts? How, how is that backwards? Where is all our defense money gone? Uh, well, uh, Lloyd Austin's wearing very nice suits these days uh, from his days at Raytheon. Uh, it's going for high-priced weapon systems. Wait, wait, Lloyd. You know, look at the, the latest Austin carrier. A, I'm Go sorry. Lord, Lloyd, I call him Lord Austin. You call him Lloyd. Lord <laughs> Austin is our defense secretary, correct? Correct. Lord Austin used to work for Raytheon? Yes. He yep. actually worked for them before the military? No, no, he he went into the military, comes out of the military as a general, and plus he punches the minority card. Oh, Raytheon yeah. scoops him up, puts him on the board. That way they've got uh, somebody who can has access to the Pentagon and is used to lobby the you Pentagon. When to he get comes contracts. out of the military, that's what will happen. Yeah. When yeah. he comes, not that he worked for Raytheon before. I wanted to be clear about that. Yeah, correct. Uh, no, he was. Well, yeah, the golf is there. The golf, the, the clubs are waiting. The uh, It is. Uh, that is why you see, and it's a, this is a point Doug McGregor has made repeatedly, and it's a correct point, that in, in World War II, I believe we only had four, six, four-star generals uh, across the services. Now, uh, today, in the, in the Army alone, I think it's like 44. And well, we have Admiral, a, don't forget the great Admiral Levine. He certainly su supersedes all <laughs> the admirals in the history. I think going all the way back to the to the uh, great uh, uh, British admirals, he's got to be the greatest admiral in the history of the world. Look how nice he looks in those those nylons. The the the, the nylons are lined up. I have to mock him. Yeah, I've yeah. no. This is this is out of a mad comic. Except there are nuclear weapons involved, Larry. You're yeah. a very serious man, and I, sometimes maybe I'm not serious enough. But it's my defense mechanism for dealing with madness like this. I can't sleep at night lately because uh, Moscow said they will not hesitate to use nuclear weapons. Larry, we all read that the other day. If Ukraine's counteroffensive efforts are successful and recapture Russian land, Medvedev warned. He said that's what we have to do according to our own doctrine. Is he just threatening, or do you think they actually will do a limited tactical nukes on the battlefield? What will they do? 
Russia will not use nuclear weapons of any sort, tactical uh, or, you know, the, the, big, the big poppers, uh, unless they are immediately threatened by the United States or NATO with that kind of, with a nuclear threat. Now, Russia has several things in its favor that the United States does not. Its air defense system, the S-500, S-550, offer Russia a very good chance of defeating and destroying most of the missiles that would be launched by the United States and by Britain. So they have a, they have a good chance of surviving that kind of strike. By contrast, neither the United States nor the United Kingdom have any system whatsoever capable of stopping an inbound uh, Russian nuke. So Russia right there already holds trump cards uh, in such an exchange. Uh, I think Russia militarily, despite the West continuing to denigrate it and, and, and portray it as inept and incompetent and with low morale, is, is defeating what was essentially a NATO army with the second largest ground force of all NATO countries and uh, decimating it in the course of 18 months. And the United States and, and the other NATO leadership, they don't have an answer. They're watching in frustration because every well, Wunderwaffen, you know, wonder weapon that's been sent is going to be the game changer. Didn't change a thing. You mean, you mean that we sent to Zelensky's boys? Correct. Correct. HIMARS, uh, M7, M777s with 155 millimeter shells that we've run out of. So now, now we have to go to the to the cupboard like old Mother Hubbard to scrape up 155 millimeter shells uh, that are going to fire little bomblets so it's uh, horrible yeah. the the when i read that biden approved and authorized the the uh, export of cluster bombs which of course are banned by every country on earth except the united states russia and ukraine which is mm -hmm. phenomenally interesting to me <clears throat> the left said nothing right the left wing used to be so rapidly anti-war where are they are they all dead have they all just yeah. gone to their rewards in hell? Where are they? Where's the American left who was such? Where's the media on this? Come on, Larry. I'm talking but, to another American here. We know the background of all of this. If America well, fired an M16 round in the Vietnam War, there were riots in America. That's because right. there was a draft, right? Well, you know, there, there was there was a time when you know, some of the prominent Democrat voices that were anti-war, such Remember as George him. McGovern, you know, McGovern, in contrast to Nixon and in contrast to LBJ, uh, McGovern had actually been a combat pilot and a bomber and with the 8th Air Force in World War II. So he had actually mm. experienced the horrors I didn't and know terrors that about of combat. So, yeah, so he was not he was not just talking about it because he had no. read it in a book. He had lived it. So I give I give someone like that much more respect than the people like Lindsey Graham and uh, Richard oh Blumenthal, you know, to pick a Republican, pick a Democrat. They're all agitating for a war that none of them are going to send their family members to fight in. And the, the, the real sad irony in this is for, for many years, starting with World War One, you, you know why all the U.S. bases like Fort Bragg and Fort Benning, why, why these bases were named after Civil no. War generals? 
They were named after Civil War generals because they wanted to use it as an incentive to attract Southern young men to join the army. And it did have well, that yeah. effect. Yeah. That's why, that's why all of those bases had those Confederate generals and oh. names on them. Uh, Fort Gordon. You, you better is, take you better not example. say that because they'll be able to change the name to Fort uh, Levine to attract more transvestite. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's oh, we, need, what, we need more. We need more men in, in stockings. And I kind of got I've got to keep repeating this because people don't realize the madness and why these southern men are not joining these so-called toxic right. white men who died and bled for this nation's history, who are now denigrated every which way to Sunday. Everywhere you turn, Correct. there's an attack upon the heterosexual Christian white male, which I've been noting for 20 years on my radio shows when I did them and my books. It was only the heterosexual Christian white male that was vilified in this country by the American left. Well, the very same people who were vilified were the ones who gave us the freedoms that we enjoy, by and large, not solely. We're aware of that. And now they're saying, go to hell. I'm not going right. to die for you. You want to use me as cannon fodder in your mad wars? They're not joining. What are they? Yeah. Yeah. No, that. that in fact, they, they used to be called. Uh, it was they were essential to the U.S. military. Buddy of mine who was a he, after he went to West Point served in the U.S. Army as an officer in Germany uh, with a tank crew, and then later went on to CIA. But while in Germany, he, he reported numerous times they'd be out on maneuvers, out on exercises, and a tank or one of the vehicles would break down, and there'd always be two two or three of these good old Southern boys who were called shade tree mechanics. And they would get there and they'd, they'd you'd get to work on the machine and they'd they get knew it how back to make up that and diesel run, run again because <laughs> they, they knew how to make it work. And that's one of the other things we're losing, both by not recruiting, uh, recruiting or retaining those kinds of men and also by uh, creating more complex machinery that uh, that can be easily broken and not easily fixed. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Larry, President Biden has a very bold stating that Russia will lose. State Blinken has said Putin has already lost. Why do they keep repeating these big lies when everyone? Well, actually, not everyone. Most people don't even know what's going on over there, Larry. I have I have smart right. members of my own family who have tuned out of the news, they can't take the negativity of this Biden administration who now wants to ban light bulbs from stoves to refrigerators to water heaters. Now light bulbs. OK, well, right. these are the same idiots who are saying Putin's lost. We're going to win. Uh, can this be stopped, Larry, in your opinion, or is this is this juggernaut going to keep rolling till some really catastrophic thing happens to the world? Uh, unfortunately, oh. I think it's the latter until something catastrophic happens. You know, look, when, when I heard Biden and Blinken say this, it, it reminded me of that scene from the movie Princess Bride, where William Sean keeps using the word inconceivable. That is inconceivable. And finally, uh, Domingo Montes looks at him and goes, I don't think that word means what you think it means. And that's the same way with their word lost. Loss normally means that Russia has lost more personnel than Ukraine. How many? Well, that's you, not wait, true. I want to go back to what you yeah. said before. You said your estimate is 300,000. If I'm remembering what you said, poor Ukrainians Correct. have died for nothing thrown into the meat grinder because of this proxy war. 
How many men right. have the Russians lost in your estimation? Uh, between 30 and 40,000. Now, how do I know that? Very easy. Go to social media. If you go to Ukrainian social media, you will see image after image, film, video after video of graveyards filled with new in, bodies, in where? new graves. In Ukraine. In, in Ukraine. But you don't see that in Russia. Now, uh, Russia does not have greater control over social media than Ukraine. If anything, Ukraine is a more repressive, Isn't restrictive that country. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not a it, because I guarantee you the mothers, the sisters, the wives, the brothers of fallen Russian soldiers, if it was happening on the scale that it's happening uh, mm -hmm. in Ukraine, you would see that on social media in Russia. You can't hide that anymore with the, with the cell phones and uh, the smartphones that are that are running around. And also remember, there's a recent uh, survey done uh, that was done. First, it was done a year ago. And a year ago, 16% of the Ukrainians asked, did they know somebody who'd been killed or wounded in the war? 16% or 6-0? 1-6, 16. Now, in March, I believe, the survey was redone. Uh, the number was now up to 76%. So three out of every four Ukrainian persons walking around alive know somebody that's been killed or wounded in the war. That shows you the level of Larry, we know that Ukraine cannot sustain this fight endlessly. And we, we expect NATO troops right. or U.S. forces to be. <laughs> are they already on the ground fighting Russians? Uh, they're not fighting. Uh, there are mercenaries, American mercenaries. Uh, there are some advisors. The Brits do have advisors from, I believe, the Special Boat Squadron that are working on carrying out maritime attacks down in uh, Crimea. But uh, there are CIA paramilitary personnel. Uh, I think, frankly, NATO's becoming a little more cherry of uh, putting its personnel in operation centers planning centers of the Ukrainians in on Ukrainian soil because the Russians are starting to take those out and the Russians are now prepared to call to kill Americans, American CIA personnel, American military officers who are there providing uh, advice uh, to Ukrainian counterparts. Is eerily similar to the Vietnam War in the beginning when you had uh, first, I think we had seen Russian pilots flying North Vietnam. And Chinese pilots were flying uh, right. the North Vietnamese jets that we had. Uh, North Vietnamese MiGs were being flown by Russians and Chinese, I believe. Uh, are any of our pilots on the ground there? Anybody that you I mean, I, I suspect that we've had special forces operating there for almost from the beginning. Well, the the, the special operation, I, I spent 23 years working with special operations. I read that you actually advised special ops. Yeah, yeah. I was involved with scripting their terrorism exercises. When from, you're saying scripting, mapping out what would happen in an event. Well, th there, would be a, there would be a scenario that would be agreed upon. We'd, we'd all help contribute to that scenario. Then there would be a master sequence of events list because the purpose of the exercise is to create message traffic that would provoke, provoke a response from the military in terms of what they would have to do to plan and deploy troops. So uh, my job was to script 
all of the State Department communications from Secretary of State and then from embassies back to Secretary of State that the military would see it during a normal uh, crisis situation. So the Special Operations Forces, they make, they're great fodder for Hollywood movies, but the Ukrainians are not fighting a Special Operations Forces war. This is conventional warfare of a kind that the Special Operations Forces are not trained or equipped to conduct. They, they can do a lot of push-ups, they can run fast, they can shoot well, but in terms of a coordinated uh, combined arms uh, maneuver warfare, the, the, the Special Operations Forces, that's not their thing. They're not trained to do that. So uh, that's one of the mistakes we keep making. We keep this in, in Special Forces, the Green Berets, their job was to always go overseas to train foreigners in insurgent uh, tactics. Again, they're not training them in combined warfare. What they're up against with Russia is a, a Russia guy driving a tank is in immediate communication with a guy who's running a drone, as well as somebody flying a fixed-wing combat aircraft, as well as somebody who's sitting back and can fire artillery. They're coordinating all of this through a, a communications net that the United States and NATO do not have. Unbelievable. So, so well, uh, you know, Larry, let me follow you. I'm ahead. an amateur listening in on an expert. You know so much about this that you're not even saying. And it's you're, you're giving us the tip of the iceberg of what you know, and your knowledge is overwhelming. And I'm so amazed to have you on the podcast. But I want the listeners who are following us to try to keep following us and not give up in frustration. In your estimation, did the geniuses in uh, the uh, Biden administration, meaning the Obama administration, meaning the Newland administration, hmm. did they believe that the Russians would simply fight like they did in World War II, which is send masses of tanks and men to be mutilated and then eventually uh, be overtaken. And then we could occupy Russia and then take their natural resources, break the nation up. Is that what yeah. the original thought was amongst these geniuses in your estimation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, OK, but they, what happened? But in the beginning, remember, we saw the Russians had a, a, like a 50, 100 mile line of of tanks and they got decimated. Initially, no, they no, no, they didn't get that. OK, so here's remember let's, that. Let's go back to that. So remember that picture of the long line of, of, of they did. They had Russian. they had a and it was we, we didn't know whether it was 24 miles long right. or 40 kilometers long, but right. it was it was long. Yes. And what what was what caught my we always the Western side always used that as an excuse. See how inept the Russians are. Yes, the Russians that. can't resupply. They can't do anything with yes. it. What I saw was just the opposite that during that entire time, that was a sitting duck of a target. And at no point in the three weeks that that column was out there did the Ukrainians launch fixed-wing aircraft to destroy it. Why? Because that column included air defense systems. They didn't deploy helicopters like Apache helicopters that we have to attack and destroy tanks and vehicles. They're sitting ducks. That didn't happen. They didn't deploy battalions of their ground forces equipped with the anti-tank guided missiles like the Javelins to attack those tanks. None of that happened. And now we know from uh, subsequent comments by Putin, that was up there to, number one, draw uh, uh, Ukrainian forces off, but also to help 
pro, uh, get some progress in the negotiations. And as a goodwill gesture in those negotiations, Russia then withdraw those, those forces. But those tanks and vehicles were never decimated at all. Otherwise, we would have seen it on the nightly news, which Didn't we weren't. we see blowing up Russian tanks over Well, over. we saw one or two blown up. And a lot of times they were these were staged propaganda events, just like the so-called massacre at Buka. Uh, that was a Ukrainian operation as well by the SBU with Good British God. intelligence. So, so when that, we see, okay, so the idiots in the State Department and the Defense Department thought the Russians would just blunder ahead and get decimated, then we could go in and do what we wanted with Russia and depose Putin, break up Russia, and steal their resources. That's one theory. Right. Uh, now we're going to be called Putin stooges, of course. I've reversed it on my social media whenever I get that and say, are you a Zelensky stooge? And they stop. No one's used Zelensky stooge, but aren't there Zelensky stooges out there in the social media? Oh, big time. All over uh, the map. Know. There's hundreds of these kids calling anyone who says stop the war or you're, you're going to blah, blah, blah. They call you a Putin stooge. I say you're a Zelensky stooge and they leave me alone because I'm not that important. But right. the, the fact is, whether I'm important or not is irrelevant. What's important is this question from my point of view, because you're, you're a military guy who's been there, seen it work the inside. You said something interesting before about a split within the intelligence communities of a good percentage of people who want this crap stopped and a good percentage, about half, half who want it to go on. Is it 50 50? Uh, I don't know if it's that large. Uh, I suspect it's probably more like 70, 30, 70, wanting it to go on and not willing to tell the truth uh, about it. Uh -huh. 30% saying, my God, this is, this could be a disaster, a nightmare. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the intelligence community has now crippled itself because they have put the analysts with the operations people in these joint centers like the Counterterrorism Center, Counter Narcotics Center, Counter Proliferation Center. And now they've got a new center for this whole war in, in Ukraine. And what's the downside on that? The operations people, their incentive, what gets them promoted, what gets them more money is they carry they have a specific operation they're supposed to carry out mm. and it doesn't matter what the ground truth is they they got to carry out that operation well the there was enormous pressure brought on me when I was an analyst on the Central America uh, desk uh, back in 1986 to try to shape our analysis to conform with what the operational imperatives were mm. well we didn't do that now it's far more difficult. The analysts are very much under the control of the operations personnel. So if we're going to push the line that Ukraine's winning, even though objectively they're not, in terms of they've not taken territory, they're not inflicting more casualties, they're not destroying Russian weapon systems with regularity, they're not disrupting lines of communication, anybody that tries to make that argument, I know I've been told, I don't have firsthand knowledge, but I've been told by somebody who is knowledgeable about it, that people have been fired who have tried to present that line of analysis. So that's sort of the state we're in. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. I feel like I'm listening to a, a variety, a new variety of the movie Paths of Glory, great novel Paths of Glory, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you're very aware of where the generals are sitting in these uh, mansions that were occupied. They occupied by France. They lived high on the hog and they just kept sending men in to die. And anyone who didn't want to do it was either shot 
by their superior officer. Uh, an amazing film, Paths of Glory. It seems like it's going on again. Yeah. It does. That, seem- that was with Kirk Douglas, right? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. When the French general, you know, you know, he says, oh, I don't care if the man is that man is innocent. It's it's invigorates the troops <laughs> to shoot them when they don't run into a machine gun. Uh, well, well, look at what we're doing. You know, the Ukrainians have been pressured by NATO and particularly by the United States to carry out the so-called counteroffensive. Yeah. And in complete contradiction of all military doctrine, mm. it was being announced weeks in advance. Hey, we're going to carry out an <laughs> offensive. We're, we're coming to get you <laughs> instead of keeping the plan silent. Yeah, uh, and 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 hitting hitting the Russians. So the surprised. Russians dug in and created trenches and dug in and dug in and created defensive weaponry. Yeah, and they did the opposite of what the Ukrainians were doing. So the Ukrainians rush in and are being chewed up and destroyed. They're making no progress, so to speak. Correct. Correct. None? Well, not only not think about this, Michael, that when when General Surovikin started building those defensive lines, he built three defensive lines that are separated by about 10 to 15 kilometers each with dragon's teeth and barbed wire and minefields and shooting uh, interlocking shooting positions. Uh, That was being constructed over about a six-month period. At no time in that six-month period did Ukraine launch any military strike on those construction workers. Why? Because they didn't have the weaponry to do so. They didn't have That's, the artillery. They couldn't didn't even have the didn't have the long range artillery, didn't have the combat fixed wing aircraft, did not have the helicopters. Oh, my God. They, whatever they had, they didn't want to put them out there because they knew they'd get shot down. So that right away, U.S. intelligence knew that the Russians were able to construct this unmolested. And then they knew exactly what Ukrainian troops were going to be up against. And yet we sent those men to their death. It's that is that simple. Larry, they there was an attempt to pass some oversight committee in Congress on the on the amount of money we're sending to Ukraine two weeks right. ago. It was shot down by the degenerates in Congress. Was that because no. they don't want any oversight? Yeah, we uh, they wanted to get, I think, John Sopko. Sopko was uh, the the inspector general who oversaw these uh, the corruption investigations in Afghanistan. So they wanted to bring him back and have him do the same thing in Ukraine. Didn't want that. Now, we know from last year, from last July, 60 Minutes did a piece where they admitted uh, on, on camera initially the, uh, the the weaponry was not going where it was supposed to go and it was winding up in the black market. Where's it and going? Then, uh, you know, that's interesting. So we're sending weapons to Ukraine. It's being sold by corrupt Ukrainians. Who's buying it? Mexican drug cartels, for one. Oh, my uh, God. Are, yeah, they've already got images of uh, uh, someone from the North Valley cartel walking around with a uh, with one of the the anti tank guided missiles on his oh shoulder. Oh my god! Holy so <laughs> this is worse yeah. than I. This is this, you know I'm an older guy who doesn't sleep well. Yeah, you're going to make we're, my we're, doctor rich, Larry, if you keep this up. We're, we're we're helping to equip the Mexican drug cartel, making them more powerful than the Mexican army. Okay, so look, let's play it out. You're you're a strategist who's done war games scenarios. I'm just a podcaster who can think a little bit. Play it out for us in this podcast of where this goes and how and in what time frame. I'm sure you've done it in your head. Well, th- th- there are a variety of ways it can play out, but all of them 
not a single one of them ends with Ukraine winning. Okay, that's so, that's point one. So Ukraine, Ukraine loses. is no. right. Ukraine is not going to take back any of the territory that Russia now occupies. Uh, the unknown is whether Russia will continue and take control of Odessa or not. That's at play. Uh, Russia is not going to uh, allow Zelensky to remain in government. There will be a replace a replacement. Now, whether that comes about because the Russia, the Ukrainian military launches a coup and removes Zelensky and installs a, a military leader that they have confidence in, uh, because already the the elections that are supposed to take place in October were suspended by Zelensky. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, so we're the the democ- we're, we're fighting to defend democracy. Pure dictatorship closes yeah. down opposition newspapers, closes down opposition TV and radio stations, shuts down a church he doesn't like, arrests cler- uh, arrests clergy. On top of that, uh, so and then stops the election from happening. Oh God! So. Well, he, to Uh, me, is a front man for the uh, Ukrainian uh, Azov people. You know, Putin refers to them as the Nazi. He wants to denazify. We all know that the roots of Nazification of links to, let us say, the the uh, German historical Nazi regime military. We saw the arm patches was very similar there. That's smart that they put a quote secular Jew in charge of this war called Zelensky. Now, I, I'm going to get very naked here. I happen to be uh, Jewish uh, by birth, so I, I'm a guy who's God-fearing. I'm not very religious. I'm not very knowledgeable about religion. I see what comes after this is over, Larry, and I want to run it by you. I'm going to run a, a, a plan in my head to you. Zelensky was used as a front man and a fall guy precisely because He's Jewish, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a naked statement here. And yeah. that gives him such protection to the American media and to the West. He's sacred now in many ways. Can't touch right. him. Untouchable. And he's used the Jewish card several times, Zelensky, which I find so reprehensible. It's beyond comprehension. You know, he uses his, his it's not even his religion. He's not a religious man. It's like saying I'm a Christian. I never go to church. So what makes you a Christian? Because we're a cross, like a, a slut on a, on, a, on, a, on a dance stage who's using it as a, as a trinket. What makes you a Christian? Do you believe in, in Jesus? Do you practice any of your religion? Do you follow the nine of the right. ten commandments? So it's the same with Zelensky. He's the type of practitioner who's a non-practitioner. So in my mind, when this is over, Larry, he will be blamed for the war, not only in Ukraine, but in Russia as well. And there will be a wave of anti-Semitism that we haven't seen in 70 years as a result of what's coming. When this is over, the Jews will be blamed because they use Zelensky. Do you think that could happen? Oh, yeah, very, very much. So. I mean, it's sort of history re- repeating itself. Um, if you know anything about the Lutz ghetto during World War II, uh, the in the one uh, in Poland, the yeah, L-O-D-Z, Lutz. Yes, yes. Um, what was his name? Chaim, uh, Jewish, who, who ran, he was in charge of the Judenrat. And he was, he was notorious for his criminal behavior, criminal action, and cooperation with the Nazis. And he, he, again, he thought it would save him. And at the end, his, uh, he and his family were carted off to Auschwitz, also in Poland. So, um, you know, this is not without historical precedence. 
And, you know, one of the excuses has been used that, oh, there's no Nazism in, in, in Ukraine because they've got a Jewish president. Well, it's exactly as you said. He's, just, he's the front guy. He, they're using him to try to take the stink off of it. Um, there, there was a movie um, out, a documentary out uh, four or five years ago, What Our Fathers Knew. And it was uh, the, the two sons, surviving sons, they were now in their 70s. One was the son of Hans Frank, who was the governor general of Poland. Who, and Poland, as you may know, was the site where all of the death camps were. Uh, you know, Auschwitz, Belzac, Kelno, Majdanek, Sobibor, Treblinka, you know, the big six, mm. where, where, you know, roughly four and a half million Jews between those six camps died. Mm. So uh, Hans Frank was the one who sat up, set that up and presided over it. Uh, his counterpart, von Wachtel, was in Ukraine, in Kiev. And uh, he, you know, he was involved with helping form the, the SS battalion of the Ukrainians. Because he, he wrote, he wrote to uh, Hitler saying, hey, this would be great if we get these Ukrainians uh, uniformed up as, as a member of the SS. Well, as part of this documentary, they go back to Ukraine, and they're in one of these little towns in, in western Ukraine where they're commemorating World War II. And you got guys walking around in Nazi uniforms, skull caps, and the whole nine yards. And one of the old, old men comes up to the son of Von Wachtel and says, Von Wachtel, and goes, oh, your father was such a great man. We wish we had him back here to put things in order. So this notion that there's no genuine Nazism in Ukraine is just it's just a lie. Well, the and Russians you, see uh, the Russians fear this. It's in so ingrained in their in their um, their DNA, the fear right. of the of Hitler and the Nazis. We we as Americans don't understand this at all. Generally, yeah. about what what was done, how many Russians died in World War Two? Larry, 27 million. You, okay, let, let's repeat the number for the geniuses listening to the program. Yeah, 27, 27 million uh, Russians. Uh, it was like 33, 35 million for the Chinese. And so, you know, the, the Jews came in a distant third. As a percentage of population, the Jews were uh, one of the largest. But yeah, in terms of the numbers of overall people and the numbers yeah. of people who were killed, oh, God, it's, it's hard to talk about people like this. Yeah. When if we just catch a finger in a door jam, it could hurt for three months. You know, or we get a splinter and yeah. we go to go to the ER room and we get the best of medical care to have a splinter removed. <laughs> I'm laughing because you you got idiots sitting there in the State Department like Blinken, who looks like a completely drugged out zombie to me who doesn't know yeah. what the hell he's talking about, speaking about war like it's a game to them. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Larry, you're not very optimistic about the outcome, are you? I, I, I'll speak comfort to me, Marley. I have none to give. Larry, have you been, um, you know, have you been, I don't know how to put it any other way, but play the plain English language. You're a man who's worked for the CIA. You train people in the State Department. You're veteran of the CIA and the State Department's Office of Counterterrorism. You trained U.S. military special ops community for 24 years. Has this administration reached out to you and tell you to shut up? 
Uh, not yet, but I always expect the knock at the door to say, <laughs> oh, God, the black yeah. car to arrive. Well, we've we become we have become what the Soviet Union once was uh, in terms of political oppression of uh, the uh, persecution of political opponents, uh, like what's being done to Donald Trump. What's uh, the person, the prosecution of January 6 people. Uh, the double standards of justice, the control of information, suppression of, of free press. Yeah, you know, it's the kind of things that you and I are old enough. We remember what the good old days or bad old days, depending how you look of it, on it, were with the Soviet Union. I do. And so you remember all those decrepit old men, Brezhnev, Gromyko, Andropov. Uh, well, we've now got the reprisal of that with Biden and Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and, and, and McConnell. McConnell. McConnell freezing. Yeah, McConnell. Uh, freezing. Yeah. yeah. I tweeted that the other day. It's like there is a repeat of when we had the uh, these ossified Russians, Soviets, rather, we'll say Soviets. Right. When, when the Soviet Union was run by these ossified old men, it soon thereafter collapsed. And I tweeted yeah. about two weeks ago when after the McConnell face freeze, I listed the very same people you did. It, it's as though we are the ex-Soviet Union with these ossified, corrupt drunks in power. And I don't know how long this country can sustain itself without cracking and breaking up into pieces, but that's a topic for for another time. Larry, I saw you on another podcast. That's when I said the guy, this guy knows what he's talking about. Then I looked you up and I saw that you were on Larry King many years ago. Yeah, I liked Larry. <laughs> what, what were you on Larry about? When uh, usually whenever there was a, a terrorist attack, I was uh, so I was on with uh, 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 Clint Van Sant. And Judge Webster, uh, and in the aftermath of the Atlantic uh, Olympic Park bombing, uh -huh. so that was in 1996. So I, I did I did Larry King live shows probably about 10, 12 different times. Oh, he was a great guy. I liked him a lot. I remember when I met him last before he died, a few years before he died in L.A. He had me on some show down there. He was working for a network that wanted me on. I don't know what Larry said to me when we were talking about Donald Trump. I said to him, Larry, you know, Donald's not a bad guy. I said, why do you, why do you hate him? He used to be his friend. He said, what does he mean? Make America great again. Isn't it great right now? Remember what Larry said to me. That's the way, <laughs> you know, how Larry was. But I, I don't know how deep Larry was, but he was very sharp and very fast. Yes. Yes. Uh, a, a good lifetime uh, left wing liberal because he came from Brooklyn. He couldn't help himself. It must have been the carbon dioxide and the seltzer that did it to all those men. That's yeah. what I used to say. It's the seltzer water from New York that brainwashed so many people. The CO2 got to their brains. And, and today he'd be considered a conservative in the Democrat Party. Well, I'm sure like Kennedy. What do you think of RFK Jr.? Uh, it, it's I, I admire him for his courage and speaking out. You know, I disagree with him on some of uh, some of his politics, but I think uh, he and I would be both on the same page with respect to uh, something has to be done to rein in this government that's out of control. And that is trying to control the medical lives and the personal lives of, uh, of everyone. And the light bulbs. You know, yeah. again, I, I just before I want to close with this, I told you I'm not sleeping well. I sometimes wake up thinking about this nightmare we're living through. And then I think about, wait a minute, they came for the, the gas heaters. Now they want to take away the stoves. And yet today, the light bulbs. You know, if they're not stopped, Larry, they could do such crazy things that are so crazy. This is a, a war of attrition against the American will to resist. Correct. As much as anything else. They could come and say, 
we want to take your firstborn like Pharaoh and do something with your firstborn in the, you know, because it's good for the environment or it's equitable. There's equity in doing this to white yeah. males. Well, we're going to take the first white male son from your family and put him in a re-education camp to make sure that they're good for society. Who's going to resist them at that point? Well, they're, they're already they're already stripping parents of their rights in California, particularly with the with respect to the whole transgender movement. Amen. I mean, it's just it's shocking. OK, so we're now moving into the area that the people won't follow. They won't follow us. They'll say we're crazy and paranoid. But we see the handwriting on the wall. That's what we've yep. that's what we've been paid to do our whole lives is to see around the corners and to see the the, the shadows on the wall. Larry, uh, any closing words for the listeners to the Michael Savage podcast? This has been so interesting for me. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to a lot of people. Well, I'm just uh, honored to have been invited to appear on your show. I've listened to you over the years and always enjoyed it and found it informative. So hopefully I have held up that high, no. high benchmark you've set. You know, when I hear something like this from people like you, it makes my, it makes me feel like my life is worthwhile. That's all I can say. There's so many intelligent people out there who we never hear from like yourself. We, you know, we don't hear from people like you and you watch these TV shows and they have these paid pimps on. And then yeah. you look into these paid pimps and I can name one, one or two on Fox news. And I, I used to love this guy, this general, because he was like from Queens or Brooklyn. He sounded like an old New York Irish detective. It turns out he's a, a contractor, a consultant to one of the biggest defense firms. Yeah. And, he, and he's yeah. on that 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 loud show Hannity all the time. Is Hannity oh, Jack, Jack Keene? That's about the Jack one. Keene. I used to love yeah. Jack Keene. He looked like old yeah. school Americana. And I said, why is he so pro war? What's wrong with this guy? And he's yeah. on the board of directors of one of the military major, major contractors. All of the money. You know, Larry, I've, I remember the 60s. We used to hear from the left. Pay attention to the interlocking corporate directorships. Most people don't understand what that means. But if you look at the people who are on the boards of directors of pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer, on defense corporations, on media corporations, some of them are the same. That's called interlocking corporate directorships. So, so if an individual sitting on a pharmaceutical board, Pfizer, and sitting on a defense contract in Northrop uh, or one of the others, and sitting on Fox or CBS or whatever, they're advising what's good for the businesses of all these companies. Right, right. So when they're on the TV, they're talking about Pfizer drugs or whatever. No one talks about interlocking corporate directorships anymore, do they? No. And that's that's been the big transformation in the cable news uh, environment. When I first started doing the talking head business, say, 30 years ago, there was not that kind of corporate control. And that has evolved over the years. Uh, it, it became particularly noteworthy in around 2004, 2005. They started doing pre-interviews. They'd want to know what you were going to say before you said right, it. Right. And if they didn't like what you were going to say, you wouldn't be invited on. Yep. I've been canceled in Britain and on uh, every other channel in America, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So yep. I, I understand what it is to silence people. I don't know how much longer podcasts will be free form. Uh, soon we'll have to be using the underground networks that were used in the ex-Soviet Union to communicate with each other. And we'll be reading from the Gulag Archipelago if this keeps right. up. Larry, keep up the great work. You're a real hero to me, a real warrior of the truth. And I want to thank you. Yeah, well, you're doing God's work.
well, I ask him to let me stay on the earth to keep doing it. <laughs> That's the balance. Hang in there. Thank you. God bless thank you. And thank you so much for everything that you do, Larry. Thank you so much, Michael. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you. Again. Bye, well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.